0: like when i was like 12 13 or 14 i would write fiction and i think i still have that some of those chapters or some of that writing that i did i used to write poems i used to draw so now it's just bringing everything back together and making the most out of it
1: comey media group proudly presents revelations with cole johnson welcome to revelations the place where we communicate truth to power i'm cole johnson and i am so glad you're able to join us she is a coach, she's an aspiring author, she's a motivational speaker, and she is a podcast host. Ladies and gentlemen, the CEO of The Veteran Woman and the podcast host of the same name, Miss Ariel Reynal Dandridge. Ariel is the guest, and this is her revelation.
0: Good, I'm good. I love how you say my middle name. Thank you. <laughs>
1: oh, no problem. No problem. Uh, well, I guess it's the Louisiana in me. <laughs> yeah,
0: probably.
1: <laughs> well, well, okay. Before I begin, did I say it right?
0: However you say it, you I liked how you said it. I say Ariel Renault, but I'm Texas and I have the drawl and everything, so <laughs> I can't even say my own name pretty. So. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, 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 considering that you're speaking to a fellow Texan, I totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're in the Midwest now, am I not correct?
0: You're correct. I'm in Kansas.
1: In Kansas. Kansas, Yeah. We will get to that in a minute, but you actually just said it. So your roots begin in Texas where?
0: In a little town in East Texas called Crockett. That's where um, I was raised. I was born in Tyler, raised in Crockett, graduated high school and everything from there.
1: Okay, Crockett. Now, of course, I have been in Tyler. I have, I have visited Tyler a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I've visited Crockett or driven through it. I can't remember if I have or not. Well, but-
0: it is to the east of highway of I-45 and, mm-hmm. it's, and I-19 runs through it. So if you've been through like gone up 19 through Huntsville- You'll mm-hmm. pass through Crockett and then you'll pass through Palestine yeah. or 287. 287 also goes through Crockett. Yeah, not many people know about it, so I'm not offended. Oh,
1: yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's nothing wrong with the small, fla- small town flavor. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so did you enjoy growing up in Texas? East Texas, I may add.
0: Yes, I did. I love saying that I'm from Texas and I will always say I'm from Texas, even though I've been here in Kansas for like seven years. I'm a Texas girl.
1: OK, loud and proud. OK, nice. All right. Well, you're you're proud of being a Texan. Did you go to college in Texas?
0: I did not. So I initially went to Spelman College in Atlanta Ooh. and then I came back home and went to Sam Houston State University in Huntsville Mm-hmm. And then I decided to join the military. Okay. All right. And so my, I got my degree from Liberty University because after I joined the military, I was stationed all over the
1: world. So Liberty, that would be Lynchburg, Virginia, correct?
0: Correct. Correct.
1: Okay. All right. Spellman. Okay. Well, how was the, how was the atmosphere there?
0: I love it. I loved it and I miss it and I keep kicking myself in the butt like man, I wish I had just stuck with it. Um I had gotten married early, too early. <laughs> but hey, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. But I love the atmosphere, I love the culture there, the the pride. Oh my goodness, the pride. The whole AUC, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. So so different from any other college that I've
1: gone to. Mm-hmm. And and here, here's the funny thing about this. I have interviewed someone who went to Morehouse. So <laughs> I guess I'll ask you the similar question I asked him. Uh, <laughs> how was it going to an all girl school and seeing an all-boys school that close in proximity to you?
0: Well, you know what? We were able to take classes on each other's campus. So oh. it was like, I mean, all across the AUC, we could take classes at other college, but Morehouse, when I went to, initially went to Spelman, I went for a summer program and I actually was assigned a Morehouse brother. So you would see guys on our campus and gals on the Morehouse campus um, during the day. It was just a certain part of the day where it was like locked down. Mm. Um, but So it wasn't as if we were deprived of seeing the other sex or anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I i, I guess they, I, I guess both Spellman and Morehouse knew, okay, we're dealing with a whole ton of 18 to 22-year-olds. It's going to be quite difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a way to separate us, but there's still community. Of course. Uh, but yeah, they're right side by side.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, considering how glowingly you talked about Spellman, I guess that means you loved your time in Atlanta.
0: I did. Oh, I love Atlanta. That's one of my favorite places in the U.S.
1: Yeah, same here. Uh, love, Love going there. And you mentioned it. Now I actually have to go there. (laughs) (laughs) So you see, you moved back to Texas and went to Huntsville, uh, Sam Houston Houston State University.
0: University. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how long did you uh, study there before you went to the military?
0: Hi. So I was at Spelman about a year, and then I was at Sam Houston State for for about a semester, and then I joined the military. And I actually joined out of the. Recruiting station in Huntsville where Sam Houston State University is. And I remember mm. being on campus, actually speaking of the military and mm-hmm. um, Sam Houston, I remember being on campus walking during 9 11 when we got oh, the word wow. of what happened 9 11. And I didn't grasp, I didn't initially grasp the situation, like how, you know, deep it was. I was ignorant to military and government. Um, but I remember our biology teacher telling us, you know, the towers were hit of the world trade center and, you know, go home, you know, deal with, you know, this American tragedy and yeah. And then, so that was in September, 2001, mm-hmm. I joined in February. Well, I signed the paperwork in February, 2002, and then I went to basic training in April of
1: 2002. Mm, okay. Wow. Wow. Hmm. So, OK. So what pulled you in the direction of uh, volunteering?
0: It was something I always wanted to do when I was younger. My grandmother wouldn't sign a waiver because you have to be I think if you're under 17, your parents have to sign a waiver or something like that. So I always had mm. recruiters like from Navy Marines come into the house, get me to take tests, you know, tell me about the different opportunities. And my mm. grandmother always said no. So by the time I turned 18 and I was old enough to do whatever the heck I wanted to do, I ended up joining. And I can't remember, oh, my husband at the time, which is my ex-husband now, he wanted to go in. And so we were going to go in to the buddy program where, you know, you get a special bonus and you go in together with you and a buddy. And um, so I took the ASVAB, which is the test to enter into the military, and I scored very high. And um I remember talking to Air Force Arm no, I didn't get to talk to the Air Force because if I had talked to the Air Force recruiter, I would have gone to the Air Force. But I talked to the Marines, I had talked to the Navy and I talked to the Army and I ended up in the Army. But um I always thought I was gonna be a Marine and then now looking back I should have gone Air Force, so (laughs) (laughs) go figure all of that. Um but he didn't he didn't pass the test or he didn't score high enough to to come in. And then I went back and forth like, okay, if I'm gonna join, I I wanted to join to do something completely different that I wasn't doing, you know, as a civilian. And just, you know, a challenge and something different. I don't know. It was kind of like a a whim on a whim that I joined. <laughs> I, I am not gonna lie and say it, it was because I was like, oh nine eleven and I'm all patriotic. And I mean And I'm all hoo hoo. I was like, I'm just gonna do something different. That's a challenge, and see the world, and we'll see how it goes. And I ended up staying in for 12 years. So yeah.
1: Mm, Wow. Well, before I continue, thank you for your service. I totally appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your appreciation. (laughs) Appreciation.
1: Oh, no problem. No problem. So you say 12 years. All right. <sighs>
0: I think I know mm. that next question. Go ahead.
1: All right. All right. I'm trying to see. I'm I'm debating if I should ask it now or later. I'm going to ask it now. All right. Where is basic? Where is your AIT and where did you get stationed for uh, permanently?
0: Oh, you know what AIT is? Wait a minute. Yes, you do. have some military background? Okay. Yes, I, I, I try to. I try to <laughs> not. Are you a service member? Are you a veteran?
1: Yes, I am. That's how I know. Yes, I am.
0: I did not know that. What branch? Army. Oh, okay. All right. So why did I know that? Or maybe I (laughs) forgot. My memory's bad. So I went to basic training at Fort Jackson, Jackson, South Carolina. And then I went to AIT at Fort Meade because I was originally a 25 Mike, which is a multimedia media illustrator in layman terms, a graphic designer, or just Mm. artist of any kind. And then my first duty station was Western Hemisphere Institute for Security Cooperation, WINSEC, or formerly known as School of Americas at Fort Benning, Georgia. That's Um, a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So, and then I know you're going to ask next, so and then I went from Fort Benning, Georgia to Okinawa, Japan, okay. and then from Okinawa, Japan to Naples, Italy to work in NATO. And then wow. between in Japan, I um, when I was in Japan, that's when I reclassed our had a new job skill, new MOS, 25 Bravo, which is anything I.T. in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. And um, so Japan and then Naples, Italy and then Fort Riley, Kansas.
1: <laughs> and that's where the kansas connection gets into play gotcha. that's
0: where it comes in oh, okay
1: all right so you definitely have literally toured the world okay i figured you have yes yeah i just i just did not know how extensive that was but i figured you did oh i and- had a
0: blast when i was when i was stationed in naples i i was hmm. at a different in a different country almost every weekend
1: oh wow wow yeah how was that like being affiliated with nato
0: I loved it because I love talking to people from different cultures and backgrounds and I love learning languages. Mm-hmm. I probably would be a very good ambassador. Um, but so at WINSEC, I was actually it covers all the countries in the Western Hemisphere. So and mostly of uh, most of them are Spanish speaking countries. So Spanish speaking and English. But mm-hmm. you got that that culture Those cultural differences and that, you know, a lot of ethnicity and stuff. So in the food, the languages, because everybody has a different dialect, even though everybody speaks Spanish. Just like with Mm -hmm. English, you have different dialects depending on where you're from in the world. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to Japan, well, when I was at Spelman, my language of choice was Japanese. So that worked out when I went to um Japan. And of course, when I was at WinSec, I'm raised in Texas, and I always tell people, like, <laughs> I say that's a little Mexico.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> probably
0: not politically correct, but I mean, so many people speak Spanish in Texas. That's like a second language. Um, and then, so when I went to Japan, the Japanese that I learned in Spellman helped. And then when I went to Italy, working for NATO, I got to learn Italian because I was in Italy. I got to learn how to say hello and thank you and goodbye in every language that's represented in NATO. Don't wow. ask me to tell you what all of the, that is right now, but yeah, I learned it at one point in time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I, I would think if you, if I were to ask you that question more than likely it would take you what an, an hour to probably probably get through all of them. Cause then there's 200 countries in the world.
0: <laughs> well, not too, well not all of them were under nato true, or in true. That, in that footprint and i can't uh-huh. remember how many there were but yeah it, it it was fun it was so much fun my commander of the unit i was in was italian and mm-hmm. then and i i think he was italian air force and mm-hmm. um of the nato signal battalion he was army but the deputy commandant was italian and then um we worked it was also joint american services so we worked with air force marines navy um so you had a mixture of forces arm, us armed forces and a mixture of armed forces from you know different areas in the world it, it loved it loved it loved it loved it made so many friends across the world nice
1: okay wow all right yeah and it sounds like you can uh go to nato in new york and or the United Nations in New York, I should say, and apply. And you could probably be an ambassador again. <laughs> maybe.
0: maybe I thought about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you said you settled in Kansas after your uh, stay in Fort Riley. All right. I want to return back to that in a moment. But okay. earlier you said that you married early.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, well, how old were you when you got married? And you said, you said ex-husband, so that means divorce. So uh, how long were you married and how long have you been divorced?
0: Oh, goodness. Is this how it feels to be asked all these questions that you try to skim over? Okay, now I get it. Um, (laughs) Because this is how I do my my podcast guests. So I um, I got married. So. I graduated high school in May 2000. So I'm telling my age, but I graduated high school in May 2000. For my senior trip, we went to Nassau, Bahamas. I met a guy there. Yeah. Yeah. Silly. I met a guy there <laughs> in May and then I married him in August of that wow. same year. Yeah. Yeah. Back then I, I thought I was in love, whatever. We technically stayed together for five years. We were married for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, up and down, everything. But that also is part of my story. He was physically abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I'm a big advocate for domestic violence. Um, Mm -hmm. I I speak about that and I I talk to people about that. And then, so we got divorced officially in 2005 Mm -hmm. and I went to Japan and I met a guy there in september 2005 mm-hmm. and then we got married in 2006 so a year i let a year pass by before we mm-hmm. got married we got mm-hmm. married and then he depl- he got stationed in italy in vicenza and then because of the married Army's couple program i got stationed in italy but down in naples because of some restrictions in my in my physical limitations let me say that so my profile but those right other people who are veterans. <laughs> um, he deployed to Afghanistan. I was there in um, Naples, and we just did not work out. And and all of this is actually in my book, um, the book that I co-authored, Her Story 2. Ah, shameless plug. And um, so we got divorced after about three years, so like 2009, and then shortly after that, no, about a year later... In 2010, I came to Kansas, and I'm seeing a pattern here now that I say all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I came to Kansas, <laughs> and I met my current fiance in 2010 in November at an M16 range because I needed to borrow a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um and we've we've been together for about on and off seven years. Mm-hmm. So that's my relationship story okay. <laughs> and how it blends in with the military. <laughs> ah,
1: OK, it all seamlessly weaves itself in there. OK, yeah. oh, interesting. All right. And now
0: oh, that I nice. listen to it, I'm like, OK, that none of that makes sense. But OK, <laughs> I guess in the moment to me, it did.
1: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well that, well yeah well, that's how life is. I mean it, it I mean, it makes sense at the moment, but when you step back and you gather the maturity and you look back at these at these times in your life, you say, "Oh my gosh, I wish I had the brain I have now then because I would yeah. not walk into that situation <laughs> because what I see now, I would not do that then. But yeah, yeah,
0: but you know what? everything that I have gone through has helped me to grow into the person that I am now. Not mm-hmm. that I would do some of the same things over again, but, um, it, it is what it is. I don't, yeah. I try not to beat myself up because I'm able to understand people because I love advocacy. I love advocating for others. Mm-hmm. And because I've gone through certain things, I understand a lot more than people who haven't gone through those. So yeah. when somebody, somebody, can, I can see the red flags now. When somebody mm-hmm. says certain things, I'm like, I got you. You don't even have to keep explaining the story. I understand. And here I can help you. And um, I can help motivate people because because it's like, okay, I've gone through this and I've made it through. No, it's not easy all the time, but right. this is how I, I make it through. And so I... So that has made me into the person that I am Um, today—strong, dynamic, (laughs) and yeah, just able to give so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and still be able to be warm-hearted enough to not let all to not let all of how life can taint you, mess with you, you know. Because those pains, if you just let it, if you let let it stay there, and you prick at it, you know, you'll still be hurt. But you let them heal. And you turn that pain into a, a powerful motivating factor to not just help yourself, but to help others.
0: And it's a process. I'm not it is lie. a process. It is a process. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is a yes. process.
1: Yeah. Going through pain, I don't care what type of pain it is. It is a process to heal. No question about that. No. And you segued me into my next question. So I see author and I had to ask, okay, what book did you pin? And what motivated you to write your book?
0: So last year the end of last year I did three collaborations. So I was a co-author of three different books. Her story 2 and Her story 2 is about domestic violence and women who have survived domestic violence mm-hmm. and their stories. Another one is Right Changing which talks Right Changes, excuse me, which talks mm-hmm. about the benefits and the power of journaling. And then the other one is Tainted Elegance, Bold, Beautiful, and Paid, which talks about my journey as an entrepreneur. And then I have an ebook that um, is called "What the Hell <laughs> Do I Do Next," which is about finding your pat for mil- for military for veterans transition about you know finding a passion and what they like and what they don't like to help them figure out what the do they do. After they get out of service. Um, So those are the four publications that I have and I'm working on more.
1: So do you like being an author?
0: I do. I love it. I've always wanted to write. And with the collaborations, the opportunities came about at the right time. And I said, because I was, I had like hangups about doing my own book. I was like, well, at least let me be a co-author to learn the ropes. So now I'm ready to write my story and write my book. And I and I used to write when I was little, I used to write fiction. Uh, I say little like I'm just old, but like when I was like 12, 13 or 14, I would write fiction. And I think I still have that some of those chapters or some of that writing that I did. I used to write poems. I used to draw. So now it's just bringing everything back together. And making the most out of it. Mm.
1: Yeah, I will always contend that one of the greatest gifts is to actually write down thoughts or creativity. It's it's really a therapeutic process. And and, and I admire anyone who actually is an author because it it is not any e- talk about a process that isn't easy either.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And I don't do it all on my own. I've found people yeah. who are amazing editors, who are amazing at taking what I want to say and making it flow correctly. So yeah, I I have my team. (laughs) So when I write my book or speak it, because I do better at speaking Mm -hmm. and to tell my story. So when Mm -hmm. I speak my book, I will send it to them for transcription, making it flow, editing, all of that, and then publishing. I I got my plan. I just need to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hear. I hear. And I, I, I swear you just in my notes because I was going to transition into this next question. So I hear this one of a voice of yours. You seem to have this eloquent way about you. I notice that you're also a speaker. So what is your overall message when you do get in front of an audience?
0: you're not alone. You can make it through all of this. Turning your breakdowns into breakthroughs. That's mm. the core of probably every message that I give in some form or fashion. Mm. And I I'm transparent about my story because I want people to know cuz I don't I don't like acting like, "Oh, I have it all together" or that, you know, my stuff doesn't stink or that I haven't gone through hardship or that even Like I don't still struggle today because sometimes you hear people touch on things and then they're like, I'm brilliant now. I'm everything. I tell people, no, it's a daily process. It's a daily struggle. Some days I am just down off my feet and I'll share that with my tribe. I'm like, okay, today I'm having a bad day. But also when I share it, it's not to get the pity, but it's to to. Let somebody out there who's feeling that same way know you're not the only one going through this. You're not alone. There's somebody out there that understands because I know how it feels on the other side of being when I used to feel certain ways. I'm like, am I the only one that feels like this? I must be stupid or insignificant or what is, how do I get out of this? You know, why am I feeling this? So now as I'm able to articulate my feelings, then I I put it out and I let my tribe know. And I say, this is how I'm feeling today. However, I know that tomorrow I'm going to be able to push through. So like when I have an anxiety attack, I'll sit there and describe the symptoms so people know, okay, this is how an anxiety attack feels in case somebody out there has had one and thought they were having a heart attack, for instance. Or even um, I've given feedback as far as like some of the things my fiancee say to me. So one post I did on Facebook was like, what not to say when somebody's having a panic attack? (laughs) 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 and um and and it's just when i'm in that moment it's a lot easier for me to articulate it and it's kind of like it replaces the journaling for me too so how somebody it's an open journal for me actually so how somebody normally would write in their journal and hide it away that's when i'll go on facebook or social media or speak to somebody and say this is how i'm feeling and you know so it's it's my open journal. And then when I speak, I speak about some of the same things. And that's my empowerment and motivational speaking. And because of learning so much in the military, because, you know, in the military, especially the army, how you're a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. So um <laughs> I. Because I have a strong graphics background and IT background, and I and that's something else that I love. I talk about social media and IT and leveraging IT in your business because I love entrepreneurship too. I've always been an entrepreneur in some form or fashion.
1: Mm, okay. All right. So you note to self, when a person who is undergoing a panic attack, don't say the following words. Don't panic. Okay. Got it.
0: Exactly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dude. Or calm down. Don't right. say calm down. If they could calm down, they wouldn't right. be having a panic attack. Or right. don't say, or even like, well, what's wrong with you? That doesn't make sense. It's anxiety. It it doesn't make sense. But at that moment, it it's like we're in grave danger. So just, just, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and and it's like um and i know my fiance means well because he's the type of person who wants to fix it mm-hmm. and i'm like you can't just just stop trying to fix it just just be quiet usually and he's very talkative i'm like just be quiet i just need to be quiet and find a distraction and then i'll calm down so yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I I, I I i i'd say the guys okay uh <laughs> In moments like that, you have to go into what Chris Rock would say, uh, listening mode, where you ask the question, honey, how was your day? And you just be quiet, you look at her, you're attentive, you're listening, and you listen to her for the next 45 minutes download how her day has been. <laughs>
0: hold on a minute. I don't like how that sounds. Because usually that's him in our relationship. I'm like, whoa, he'll walk through the door because I I work from home. I'm location independent. Um, But he'll walk through the door and I'm like usually working on something and he'll just download this stuff on me. I'm like, whoa, slow down. (laughs) Who is the female in this relationship? (laughs) Uh Because you are the talkative one. Oh my. But he'll just download, and I'm like, okay, hello, how are you? (laughs) Can you wait to make sure I'm able to (laughs) receive all this information? And then half the time, like when he gets anxious, I'll try to I'll try to calm down or just, you know, not let something faze me. But then he gets bothered. The fact that something's not bothering me. And I'm like, please, because you do not want me to get anxious because it'll get to a point where it's a panic attack and then nothing's going to happen today. And I can't think straight. I forget everything. So it's it's interesting. But now he's getting to the point and he's a veteran, too. He actually mm-hmm. retired from the military. Oh, but okay. it's getting to the point where we've argued. And that's why we had a big breakup, too, because not understanding, you know, each other, it, me not being able to communicate mm-hmm. by PTSD and anxiety or the mm-hmm. even the depression. Right. Um, but now he's to the point where he's trying to understand it a little bit better. Yeah. And um, I told him, I said, if I say, you know, I feel like talking, just let me have my moment because it's better to let me have. You know, my hour or two or even my day versus we're in complete conflict for like a week, a month, a year or whatnot.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, communication, especially between a man and a woman, it is such it is such a delicate dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is such a delicate dance because when. When it goes wrong, it goes completely wrong. But, man, when it does go right, you are trying your best. It is beautiful. And you try your best to to hang on to that and say, okay, how I got into this groove, I want to remember it so I can stay here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a a delicate dance. And, yeah, and believe me, the lack of communication can destroy some of the best couples. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
0: Conversation, Mm -hmm. sex, and money. Those are the things that usually cause conflict in a relationship. Yeah,
1: pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Now you say that you are location independent, which I loved how you phrased that. And normally a person who is location independent is one of two things. Either they are jobless or they are an entrepreneur. So since I'm assuming you're not jobless because all of these wonderful things you've already listed that you do tell me how did the veteran woman become a business slash your business.
0: So the veteran woman became my business. Let me try to, to formulate the short end. <laughs> to fill the gap and to help the people who, who are filling have felt like I felt when I transitioned from my last year in the military and when I transitioned because mm-hmm. I completely changed that. Like I said, I was in 12 years, but that 12th year was the hardest out of my entire career. And um, and I wanted to be the person that could advocate for people that could be a sounding board that could coach people through whatever breakdown they go through and let them know there's hope. I mean, I got to I was at the point where I was suicidal. Um, I went into the mental institution for a little bit for a few days and I was severely depressed. And I remember how it felt, how lonely it felt. I don't want anybody else to ever go through that. So that's where the Veteran Woman brand fills a gap. So with the podcast, it's a platform for people to share their stories open and candidly. I love openness and transparency. And then I do coaching. I do veteran development coaching. So helping veterans transition. And I don't put a time frame on transition because I've spoken to people who have been out for like 10 years or more that still have haven't found their way in the civilian world, so just the goal setting, finding the passion and purpose, being a support. I have the veteran woman network, which is where we get together, us women, we get together and have fun and talk and eat and just talk about whatever goals. We'll laugh, gossip, not really gossip, not gossip in a bad way, but we'll chit chat about you know our husbands or whatever. <laughs> but it's. And Collaborate and the group that I have right now, they're very entrepreneurial minded. So we'll talk about, you know, how we can help each other build our brands, build awareness. Um, each one of us has our, you know, special things. So it's, it's a mastermind group, really. It's like part sorority, part mastermind, part peer support group. That kind of thing. All the positives from those different kind of Mm organizations. And then... What else do I do under the veteran woman? Oh, I, I talk about entrepreneurship since I've had a lot of my veteran cohorts ask me about entrepreneurship and, and building businesses. I love working with people who want to build service based businesses like myself, like coaching, speaking, writing, those kind of things. Um, I also talk about technology and how to leverage technology in your business. So that includes like social media automations. And so that's what I do. And then I have um, the Central United States, the Central U.S. Veterans Conference that I am planning to do in a few months. And I plan to do annually in the areas where there's military presence, but there may not be a big military presence enough for other organizations or programs to come in. For instance, like California, Texas, Florida, and New England area. That's where like a lot of the population is because of jobs and and housing markets and stuff. It seems like here in Kansas, even though we have Fort, Fort Raleigh, which is the 1st Infantry Division, we have Fort Leavenworth, we have um, Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska, and we have McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, it's like we get left out. It's like the, the big, you know, organizations, it's like they're not here. So that's where I plan to travel around the central U.S. and, you know, have this kind of conference, which covers empowerment, education benefits, employment, entrepreneurship, how to get involved in the community and financial management. So the things that are important to us and the conferences are opened up to veterans, those currently serving, whether they be National Guard or Reserve, family members and caregivers. Also, another thing about my brand is I'm i a no BS person, no red tape, no bureaucracy. So I don't care if you only were in for a day. If you want to use my services or be a part of the tribe, come on with open arms. I'm here with open arms. If you've never seen combat, I don't care. Um, You can still get services because there's so many services out there that have different stipulations. So people feel left out. I don't care if you're from Vietnam, Korean war, World War One, World War Two, World War Two, Three, whatever. If you ever served, if you raised your hand and gave that oath to the U.S., um, I will serve you and however you need to be served.
1: Well, it looks like that that young woman from Texas that wasn't all that patriotic seems to be all filled with it now. <laughs> in <laughs> my
0: own point. way <laughs> in your own
1: way. <laughs> I like that in your own way. Well, yeah, what you're doing is a very big thing and life is a transition altogether. so uh, it's not a surprise to me that there needs to be a process with transition from military life to civilian life. No question about that. Uh, And being that I've been through that transition myself, it, it can be a bit daunting because you're used to one, one way of life. And now you're advancing yourself into another way of life with a group of people, most of whom haven't lived the military life that you lived. So yeah, it it could be quite a culture shock actually.
0: That's exactly what it is.
1: So you have this wonderful business. What made you want to turn that into the podcast of the same name?
0: Well, it was easy to come up with the name, just the Veteran Woman Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And how I got into doing podcasting was I did a tele-summit about a year ago and a couple, and I loved the feel of interviewing people or having conversations with other people. I don't like to say interviewing. So having conversations with other people, sharing their story. And I said, I want to do a podcast. I didn't know anything about podcasting. I didn't really even listen to podcasts, but I said, I want to do a podcast and I did it. <laughs> I did it and I labeled it the Veteran Woman Podcast for consistency because you can find the Veteran Woman pretty much everywhere on social media, the website, the podcast. And also when I looked up other podcasts, there are other veteran podcasts and military related podcasts, but I didn't see many, if any, at the time when I looked, there was not one that was dedicated for women veterans. So that's where my focus really started was a way to have women veterans share their stories and just talk about what we've gone through during our military service, our transition and being a civilian. But with that said, I accept guests from all backgrounds. Um, you don't they don't have to be veterans, they don't have to be military connected in any way, they don't even have to be women. We just talk and, and because I'm the host and because I'm so laid back, I can always lead the conversation in the right way where my audience gets the most benefit so we usually always somewhere in the conversation we talk about a breakdown and a breakthrough somewhere in there i always fit that in into a conversation and that's Mm -hmm. my biggest thing
1: oh okay all right because i was wondering if your your podcast was strictly about um veteran women uh not not that there's anything wrong with if it were but I, I i I now correct me if I'm wrong, but seemingly it I think you select your guests based on how well they could serve your core base in in any field am i am i correct
0: correct because yes we're women veterans but we're also you know in corporate America we're also entrepreneurs we're coaches we're in the i t field we're in um, the music industry. We're in Hollywood. I mean, we're, we're different places. We still, you know, have regular lives as well. So we talk about veteran women specific issues and we talk about just other things. So I've had coaches come on, some of my coaching cohorts come on and talk about, you know, just the field of coaching, self-esteem, confidence, um, resiliency, and I've had people come on to talk about presentations and, and being a speaker. And I mean, just all sorts of stuff. I've had all kinds of guests and I'm always accepting all kinds of guests. So literally, if you were to listen to my podcast, even if you're not a veteran or even if you're not a woman, um, I feel you can still get something out of it.
1: Oh, nice. OK, that's great. I mean, it, it any any place where you can receive uh, information, inspiration and be entertained at the same time. It's always great no matter where you find it, but it's great that you actually have that platform where all of that can be represented. Uh, I want to go back a little bit. Now you mentioned, well, you've mentioned that you've overcome many things, uh, PTSD and, and depression being two of those things. You also, you also talked about domestic violence. So going through that, how? Hmm, let me see if I can ask this question the way I would like to ask it.
0: Oh, just ask it. If it's oh, oh, you want to offend me or or whatever, just ask it. Unless you're worried mm-hmm. about the audience listening.
1: <laughs> no, it's 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 not about that. And and I, of course, I do want to be sensitive to the guest. But but considering you said that you're transparent, I think I can go here. Uh, how did that experience? shape and mold you into becoming the strong, compassionate woman that you are now?
0: It has made me very understanding and being able and being able to be transparent. I know that's hard for some people, but that was a way of me healing. Sharing my story was a way of me healing and bringing the awareness and the advocacy out and taking away the shame. Um, I've learned quite a bit. So now Like with my sister, I can look at her and say, hey, this may not be the right way to go or, you know, be be aware of this. So it's kind of like the old woman who the old wise woman or even man that, you know, looks back and says, hey, that may not be a good decision. But, you know, people always have to go through their own lives, lives and their own experiences to realize Hey, okay, that wasn't so smart, but now I know it wasn't smart. I mean, that's just a way of life. Some A person can tell you all day not to do this, not to do that. But then when you go through it, it's like, okay, all right. Yeah, they were right. Yeah. But like I said earlier, I the things that I went through hurt and they took me to very, very, very dark places mm-hmm. and I wouldn't want to go through those again But right now, I wouldn't want to forget any of that either. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't hold on to that anymore. The negativity behind it. I look back and see the strength that I've gotten from it. The strength to carry on the wisdom that I've gained, the knowledge, the learning um, and just take it to help others.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's very powerful. And the reason why I asked this question is because uh I had a friend who have a friend, I'm sorry, I've known her almost twenty years and in the process of getting getting to know her, she talked about her divorce and it being physically abusive to her. But I kept noticing also her compassionate way of how she was dealing with life and it was uncanny because I I, I didn't see that type of compassion in most people. And so I remember I was going through I, I was going through something. I can't remember now what it was. And I talked with her about it. And at the end of it, I said, well, how is it that you you can be so, so loving and compassionate? I it, It's it's something I have rarely seen in anybody. And her answer was really telling. She said, it's because it comes from a hurt place. I've healed from it. And I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I want them to be on the other right. side. And that to me means more than anything when I can actually go to a person who has been through that type of pain, licked it. Of course, you're going to go through, like you said, you're going to go through setbacks. You're going to go through drawbacks. You can go through moments where you severely doubt yourself. But if you stay the course and you learn more about yourself and you understand, wow, I endured this and I am much better on the other side now. it, It really opens your eyes as to how powerful you are, you know? And when I talk to any When I talk to any woman who is a domestic abuse survivor, that is the common thread I keep seeing you being no exception. I I see that common thread because there's this there's this laid back ease and compassion about you that that unfortunately, yes, it took a hurtful thing and a hurtful time and a hurtful person to get you to that level. But also because of that hurtful time and that person. You were able to learn more about who you are, learn more about what you what you you should expect, what you shouldn't what you shouldn't accept. And you were able to move forward in a much more powerful, much more impactful and much more loving place.
0: And I'm a mama bear. I am such a mama bear. I am so protective of any of my female friends or anytime I'm out and I see a female around, if she has this look like she's uncomfortable, I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm a mama bear. I'm just going to say it like that. <laughs> so oh, well, I'm protective of other other young women. Um, I'm protective of my friends, not in mm-hmm. a bad way, but they know that I got their back. Somebody mess with you. They better be ready. <laughs> um, so that also comes from from that so mm-hmm. seeing the red flags just the wisdom and, and the knowledge and seeing the red flags it's like okay something's not right and yeah. i'll i'll mention it to the person mm-hmm. they don't listen i'll still keep an eye out and say well i'm here whenever you need me mm-hmm. if you ever need i'm here
1: oh, and that's such a great resource uh, to have and it's wonderful that you're able to one provide it two be that, that, that wisdom pole in this situation for others so that they can become stronger when they go through similar things. It's, it's great that you, you have that.
0: And it makes it easier for me not to judge mm-hmm. because, like, for instance, I had a friend and she went through a, a domestic violence trial pretty much. And I told her, I said, I commend you for your strength and your courage. I said, because so many people go back. So many women go back. So many people, so many women try, or people, I'm just going to say people. So many people mm-hmm. try to mend the relationship again, and it doesn't even go mm-hmm. to trial. A lot of people don't even report it. Yeah. And and I fall in that category. Mm-hmm. And sh- I w- sat up there and watched her go to every court case that was within her trial. And and I told her, I said, you have so much courage. You just do not realize. And I mean, it was hard for, her, but I told her, I said, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here for every step of the way. Um, and even when she gave a statement because she was afraid to give a statement and I said, no, you need to tell your story. I said, it's going to suck when you're up there telling it and, <laughs> and the anticipation of telling it, but it will help you heal as well. And it will let the judge know your point of view. Yeah what happened that day. So mm-hmm. I I really commend her. And but the things that I've gone through, I know not to judge cuz it's easy to say, well, oh, if somebody hits me, I'm immediately leaving. That's what I used to say. Mm-hmm. And now that I've gone through it, it's like, all right, it's not that easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I commend you for not succumbing to that type of poison and evil because it is very easy to just stay down in that in that realm and be bitter and get out of the situation, but just have the I hate men feel or if, if it's a guy, I hate women feel, oh, you know, it, yeah. it, it's it's wonderful that you've healed enough to where you you, you could be loving toward everybody. You know, and that's a be, blessing. It it's is really a blessing. A blessing. Yeah. It is. It is nothing short of it. It is nothing short of a blessing. All right. So I, I can I, I want to quickly get back to your military days. I can recount a few stories like uh, a a basic training story or AIT story. Uh, what funny basic training or AIT story would you have that you can remember?
0: So in basic training, my battle buddy was this tall Caucasian guy, skinny, skinny. And his name was Jump. Because when I was going through basic, my last name was Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I was so tiny. And I remember... I could never get over 120 pounds when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I remember getting on the scale one day and I was 129 and I told the drill sergeant, I said, something's wrong with this scale. And the drill <laughs> sergeant would always call me crazy. <laughs> He's like, come on crazy. Dude this is crazy. Um, and, and so that was just funny. He's like crazy, get off the scale. But I didn't realize, you know, all the exercising and building muscle, you know, right. muscle weighs a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and just remembering that drill sergeant and how he would call me crazy all the time. And it was mm-hmm. all a lot of fun and laughter and how I would um, stand in formation, half asleep, no, just sleep. Oh. And they would say, you know, Johnson, wake up, or you're going to get us in trouble. Mm-hmm. And then how my battle um, jump, how he would, you know, pick me up whenever we did the towers or the walls or whatever, how him and the other guys, they would pick me up and help me get over the wall or pull me up the tower or whatever. Mm. So those are, those are my good memory. Yeah. Of Basic training. AIT. I don't remember much. I don't know why. Um It wasn't bad, but I just don't remember uh, anything other than drawing and loving drawing and doing the graphic design. Mm. but yeah but my my basic training was fun it was challenging but it was a lot of
1: fun yeah 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 basic yeah no matter how long you have been away from it (laughs) for some reason those memories never leave you oh god they never leave you oh my goodness i could continue to talk to you about many many different subjects uh some we talked about off air (laughs) i could go on and talk about it with you but i know your time is valuable so i will I will keep it short. So what is your biggest regret or if not biggest regret, lesson learned in your life?
0: Ooh, wow. You got me. Um, mm. (laughs) well, my biggest lesson learned, let me, let me focus on that is being true to yourself and being authentic. That is my biggest thing. And, and nobody can do it like I can. So instead of being jealous, instead of comparing myself to others, collaborate with them, learn from them, but just know that no one can do whatever it is like you do. And to love yourself and to enjoy your personality. Learn to laugh at yourself and just keep pushing through. That's mm-hmm. the biggest lesson I've learned. I've learned to love me.
1: Mm-hmm. That is one of the biggest lessons for any of us to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Learning to love yourself. No question about that. All and right, have f- fun
0: And I have fun with myself. Like just, just, I laugh at myself. Yeah. It, and that, that's a big thing. And that, that's been a huge transition. Instead of beating myself up, just laugh.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that speaks to my spirit on that one. I'll flip the coin to the other side. In all of your life, what has been your biggest accomplishment?
0: What I'm doing now, the veteran woman brand in every aspect. And I i know I should say the military. and That has a lot to do with it. But what I'm doing now, watching it grow, biggest accomplishment. And and my I'm so proud of it. Um, because what I do, it has helped me to heal that. It's helped me to come out of the dark spot. It has helped me to share my story. It has allowed me to help others. So the veteran woman brand is my biggest accomplishment.
1: And I pray that the, your, your brand extends further than you could ever imagine.
0: And it, and it's starting to, and I, and, and touching people in ways that I, I couldn't even imagine. And that is such a blessing to me, such a blessing. and I'm so grateful.
1: That is awesome. That That is awesome. Now, that's something you can't, that's something you, <laughs> people on earth would want to bottle up. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. So this is the time of the show where if you have a parting shot uh, or if not, if you have any words of wisdom, like you haven't dispensed m- much of it before now. But if you still do have that, please feel free. The floor is Yours,
0: I would just tell people to check out my website, theveteranwoman.com, and that's where they can find out more about me. That's where they can hear my podcast episodes. They can become a part of my community. They can get coaching. I mean, so much more is going to come, and that that website will be the hub of it. So, theveteranwoman.com, and like I said, just learn to love yourself, be authentic. Be you and learn to laugh at yourself and just continue on and you're not alone. Mm.
1: Well, I mean, how how can I continue on that note? Uh, that is beautiful. Author, motivational speaker, army veteran, entrepreneur of the veteran woman, and the host of the veteran woman podcast, Ariel Renal. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know there's power in taking back and taking ownership of who you are and in hearing her story that's what I gather the most I, I gathered strength in the fact that someone tried to take her humanity from her but she said no 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 I'm taking it back because I'm loving myself enough to not stand for it anymore and I love hearing that message because the most powerful thing you can do in terms of yourself is to love who you are I totally agree with that and to love yourself through and beyond the pain is even stronger the word says in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us no matter what situation befalls any of us we have to be stronger because on the other side is our victory on the other side is our identity on the other side is what we are we are more than conquerors Many thanks to Ariel Reynal for her appearance, and it was one that really touched my heart. For Changing the World, One Conversation at a Time, I'm Cole Johnson, and this is Revelations. For more of Revelations, go to PIPPA, spelled P-I-P-P-A dot I-O.